Hi, and welcome to the Deeper Than Money podcast. I am your host, Chloe Elise. I'm a millennial money coach, speaker, dog mom, and a seven on the Enneagram. And I am on a mission to prove to you that finances can be fun and easy. On the Deeper Than Money podcast, we will dive into all things millennial finance, debt, saving, mindset, and how to have financial freedom to enjoy life in your 20s and 30s. I want you to leave this podcast with more confidence around your moolah and the belief that your biggest financial dreams are possible for you. So let's talk money. Hello and welcome back to the Deeper Than Money podcast. Today I have the absolute privilege of interviewing Shelby Sacco. Shelby Sacco is the creator of Sad to Savage, a platform and brand dedicated to helping others live their best lives and become the happiest versions of themselves. After going through a difficult time in 2020 and neglecting her physical, mental, and emotional health, she knew she had to make a change. When looking for resources to help her navigate a lifestyle shift, she grew quickly frustrated at what was available. Nothing she found actually taught her how to make sustainable changes in her life. Eventually, she stumbled upon a resource about creating habits, and from there, everything shifted. She was able to create lasting habits in her life that truly changed the trajectory of her mental, physical, and emotional health. And now, she's teaching the power of habits to others through her Sad to Savage course and resources and has helped millions of people transform their lives and create lasting and sustainable habits. Shelby is a podcaster, sister, aunt, cat mom, and friend, and I am so excited for you to hear more about her and her journey on today's episode of the Deeper Than Money podcast. If you do not already know and love Shelby, you are about to. Let's dive in. Shelby, we are so excited to have you on the Deeper Than Money podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I am so excited to be here. I love you. I love talking to you. And I cannot (laughs) wait to just jump into this conversation. Oh my gosh. We just did a podcast episode over on Shelby's incredible podcast, Sad to Savage. And so we are picking it right back up and basically doing switching spots. I get to interview Shelby this time and doing the same thing. So if you want a podcast to listen to after this, you can go check out our podcast episode over on Shelby's podcast that we will link below. Um, if you do not know Shelby, you're living under a rock um, because her content is some of my absolute favorite and she's the queen of self, self-care, self habit stacking, all of the things. Um, but for someone who is new to habit stacking, habit loops, Um, and really wanting to create a routine. Maybe it's somebody who's like, they've been telling themselves over and over, like, I really want to add self-care or I really want to hit a fitness goal or I really want to hit a money goal or I really want to do this, but always find themselves kind of falling off the wagon. Can you talk a little bit more about how you got into habit stacking, how you got into being the habit queen and more so the, the journey of becoming sad to savage like you talk about? But I would even argue 
beyond all that, what's so powerful about you is you're someone who follows through on all the things you say you're going to do for yourself, which is so unbelievably powerful. Can you talk more about that journey of how you got to where you are today and how habits and following through on the things that you want to do have played a role in that? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. Oh my gosh. And yes, I love all of those questions. So I I want to start by answering the last one where how do I follow through? Early on in my Status Savage journey, I said this thing to myself over and over, like just trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. And I trusted what I learned about the habit loop. And that's what made me so successful. But taking it all back. So I call this my Status Savage journey because that's exactly what it was. In 2020, I was just sad and I wanted to change my life. I felt like I was at my own personal rock bottom. I had been gaining a lot of weight. I didn't fit in any of my clothes. I had always been someone who was happy and bubbly and extroverted and that had just completely shifted. And I was someone with anxiety. I was someone who was so insecure, who was so mean to myself. I was living in my parents' basement. I was working a job that was like sucking the life out of me. And I was making not enough money to even survive while living in my parents' basement. There were just all these things that that kept pulling me closer and closer to rock bottom. I was in an unhealthy relationship. I had unhealthy eating habits. Um, I was struggling with disordered eating. There were just so many things. And I woke up one day and realized that because this was all kind of new, this suffering, this, this mental health, this physical health, all these things plummeting at once, I realized that two of my sisters who had been struggling with mental health for years might be experiencing or might have had to experience that entire time what I was, the thoughts I was having, the life that I was just living that felt so pointless and purposeless. And that kind of scared me and was my driving factor behind wanting to change my entire life and go from sad to savage. And so in that moment, I realized that if I taught myself how to change, if I could teach myself how to be happy, how to like find a life that was fulfilling and and go from sad to savage, I could teach my siblings and then I could really teach anyone. And so that was kind of my motivating factor behind it. Now, I decided that smart people write books and smart people read books. And since I had no idea what to do, I didn't even know what was going on in my brain or with my body. I decided to read and by the grace of the good Lord, I decided to read the book, The Power of Habits. I have no idea why it was that book. The cover's honestly like not even cute. I was like, was it because it was a cute cover? Like, what was it? The cover's like kind of ugly. But I read that book, which I like to describe as being 50% boring and 50% just so so brilliant. And my life completely changed because I decided that I was going to trust the science and trust what this book was saying. I was like, there's no way this guy could lie. Like there's a lot of research in this thing. Like if he's saying this is how you form a habit and this is how and habits change your life and this is how you do it, like I might as well just try. And so I decided to start waking up a little bit earlier and to start going on a daily walk. And those were the two habits I started with. And within a week, I instantly felt so much better. And I'm not talking waking up earlier, like going from 9 a.m. to 6 a.m. I'm talking going from, I was waking up literally five minutes before work every single day because I work from home. I think I just started waking up about 35, 40 minutes earlier, enough time to go outside, go on a walk, and then join my call. And that change in my mental health, a little bit that it did was so 
it was, if you look at it on like a scale, it was probably just like the smallest bit, but it made the biggest difference. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, holy shit, I actually feel a little bit better. And so I started slowly working on and building habits, listening to the advice of going slow and, and mastering habits and giving myself rewards and just making it something that's a lifestyle change opposed to a quick thing that I'm doing for three weeks and giving up on. And from there, my journey really spiraled. And over the next four to six months. Over the next four months, I added in a bunch of new habits, some really easy to to add into my schedule, some really hard. And I really just watched my entire life change to the point where I've been doing this now for three years, focusing on my healthy habits and my routines. And I'm living a completely different life. It's If I didn't keep a diary of that time frame in my life back then, and if I didn't film myself crying like every other day, I don't know if I would have believed that that was my life or that my brain was capable of those thoughts or that that's how I felt to my body because I'm just somewhere completely different now where I feel like I have the healthiest habits. I love myself. I take care of myself. I adore. I said this to you earlier, but like I love taking care of myself. Like it's so much. I love myself. I love doing things for myself. It's really fun. I have healthy eating habits, healthy um, physical health habits. I have my own house. I have a career that I built that I'm obsessed with. And I did all of these things through creating and changing my life with habits, whether that's through the habit loop or habit stacking. And to kind of dive in and explain what both of those things are. The habit loop, I always say I'll get it tattooed on my body, but I don't like tattoos because I don't like needles. But you know, I'm like, I kind of need it. Like maybe I'll just get a really big canvas of it for my office, which is clear, clearly <laughs> is a lot of work. But in the habit loop, you have a cue, a routine, and a reward. And if you're listening to this, picture that going in a clockwise cycle over and over and over again. And the cue in the habit loop is what starts it off. It's the time, event, place. It's basically what's going to trigger that routine, which is then your habitual behavior, which is basically what you're doing, that habit that you're you're acting out. And then after you act out that routine, it goes into the reward, which is basically what you're getting out of the habit loop, which could be something like dopamine, endorphins, um, an actual chemical in your brain, or it could be something like love, attention, affection, uh, something with value. And so when you want to intentionally build a habit loop, you fill in those three spots. You create a cue, you pick out a routine, you pick out a reward, a reward, and you repeat this over and over and over to help you form a habit. When you're looking at your life and you're trying to understand your current habits that you might want to make a change to, you also fill out the habit loop and you say, okay, what is my cue in this situation? What is my routine? What is my reward? And once you understand what your current habits are, you can then change them. Now, I'm kind of diving into everything real quick, but if you want to change a habit loop, what's so crazy, which like blows my mind when I actually think about it, is that in a habit loop, your cue and your reward are actually linked together. So your routine, what the habit that you taught yourself doesn't matter literally at all. It's just what you taught yourself. So that's why you do it. So how you would change a habit is by changing out that routine which you can only do if you understand what your cue, your routine, and your reward are. Now, whenever you have a habit loop that's currently engraved and you want to change the routine, it's really, really helpful to understand that your cue, once you get that trigger, it only wants to do the routine because it knows it will get that reward. So you can replace it with something, you can replace that routine with something else that will give you the similar reaction or the similar reward. Now, that's the habit loop. Going into habit stacking, which is a little bit easier to digest and understand, but habit stacking is taking something that you have to do every single day. For example, driving to work, cooking, maybe tidying up a space, say walking on the treadmill, going on a walk, and then you pair that with something else that you get to do. Now, there's kind of two ways that I look at habit stacking. That's one of them. So say I'm driving to work, it's something I have to do. I'm habit stacking it then with listening to an audiobook. 
or with calling a parent or calling a friend or with um, listening to a podcast, right? That's stacking two little things onto each other. And it makes that habit, that new one that you want to do easier because you're attaching it to something that already exists that has to happen. For example, one of my favorite ways that I habit stack in my daily routine is every single time that I eat breakfast, I habit stack that then with writing affirmations and writing out gratitude. That's something that's really easy and it makes it easy for me to complete that habit because I know I'm always going to be doing that action of um, eating breakfast. Another way to look at habit stacking is taking two habits and just putting them together right on top of each other. So for example, say my habit And it kind of, I guess it's kind of really similar either way that you look at it, but say my habit of going on a two mile walk every single day, I always stack that with listening to an audiobook or something like going through emails. I like to change up what I actually stack it with. I just know that anytime that I'm on that treadmill, I have the opportunity to add in a new habit or add in something that I want to work on. Sorry, that was a really long answer for your question. I love it. That's incredible. Okay. I have two things. The first one is... For someone who is trying to change a habit loop, particularly to finance, do you either have anything you specifically did with money that you wanted to shift as you made that transformation? Or do you have an example for someone who, you know, maybe feels like they're struggling with overspending. Maybe they like are constantly ordering stuff and then they get it and they're like, I don't even like this. I don't, it doesn't even look good. Like why do I even buy it? And then maybe they don't return the thing and then they feel guilty. How would you, what would be an example of something either that you did or that you would say for someone who wants to use this and apply it to something with money, where would be a good place to start? Okay, so say someone is struggling with overspending or just buying things because they're bored or just struggling with saying no. Like they just always find themselves clicking like checkout. What I would say to that is number one, when you go and you're shopping or you're spending money, the chemicals in your brain that are being released is endorphins and then also dopamine. So once you know that piece of information, you can say, okay, I'm not actually wanting these items that I'm buying. I'm wanting this reward, this chemical. So remember earlier when I said in the habit loop, you have the cue, the routine, and the reward, and it follows that cycle. The cue, maybe um, seeing something cute in Instagram ad, that's going to trigger that reaction of that routine of buying it because it knows that if it does, it will get that reward, which is a spike of dopamine or say endorphins. And what you what you can do then is look at that habit loop and say, oh my God, what I'm craving is actually just dopamine or what I'm craving is just endorphins. And once you understand that little piece of the puzzle, you become so powerful because you can change the habit to then instead of buying something or checking out or spending money, doing a different routine that will then still give you that same reward that your brain is craving. So for dopamine, that's the reward chemical. And there are other things that you can do to still get that quick hit of dopamine, such as completing a task, doing any type of self-care activity, Um, eating food and drinking like special drinks is also a huge one for dopamine. One of my favorite things to suggest for anyone struggling with a habit loop that ends in dopamine is stocking up on their favorite drink so that they have that at their house. So for example, I love Lime LaCroix so, 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 so much. So if I ever have a bad habit or a habit I'm trying to take control of, I will stock up on Lime lime LaCroix. And then anytime that I know that that habit loop's hitting, so in this situation, say I'm on my phone, I get an Instagram ad for something really cute and I'm like, oh, I really want it. I will stop and I'll go downstairs, I'll get that drink, I'll drink it and I have that reward that I'm craving and I no longer have to complete that habit loop. 
Um, also going over, so dopamine and endorphins are things that are triggered from shopping. Endorphins are the painkiller. So things that will help there if that's your struggle and your habit loop would be things like laughing, exercising, oddly dark chocolates is one, essential oils. So my biggest piece of advice if you're struggling with overspending is really sitting number one and figuring out your habit loop for it. Because while you might be craving those chemicals as your reward, there's also things that could be the cue that's actually triggering that habit loop and making it happen. So for example, say your cue for shopping isn't just, oh, I'm seeing a cute Instagram ad, right? Maybe it's feeling stressed. Maybe it's feeling anxious or maybe it's feeling sad. Whatever that thing is, once you understand what your cue is, what's triggering it, you can then understand, okay, say that is your cue. You're stressed, you're anxious, you're upset, you're sad, you have any of these emotions and you're then buying things because you get that reward of dopamine or endorphins, which is making you feel better. You're not craving the shopping. You're craving feeling better, which is why you're doing that that action. And then you can look at yourself and say, what are other things in my life that typically make me feel good after I do that? For example, for me, my go-to is always going outside and going on a walk. The winter makes it harder, but I'll always go to the gym and just go on a walk. I know that works for me. My older sister is someone who loves loves people. I am, I like people too, but she loves people and she loves talking to them. So when she's really stressed, anxious, sad, upset, her go-to is calling a friend. And that actually gives her that hit of dopamine, those endorphins, and makes her feel better. Whereas for me, that would be torture. I really hate talking about things when I'm upset. I need to go and do something. So figuring out for you, what is the correct new routine that you can add in? Because really when you're feeling that way, you're not craving that new item. You're craving feeling better. And once you discover that new action, that's a healthy routine that will help you get there. That's when you can actually change that habit loop and find success in changing that habit. Oh my gosh, that is so incredible. And I love the explanation behind it because I feel like so many people who talk about habits, they're like, just do this, like, just do this. And I love that you're so holistic in it of like, no, let's understand why you're doing this and why it matters and then tailor it to you, which is why, I mean, obviously you've been so successful with this in completely transforming your life but why it, it sticks for so many people too, which is, again, another reason why you're so iconic. Also, I meant to say this earlier, how crazy. It was a jump scare when you were telling your story and you were like, in 2020, I was like, what? Because I feel like I started following you like either maybe like December of 2020 or like right in the beginning of 2021. And so you were like in, like, you were like, I am now a savage, you know, like I've become a savage and you just kept getting more savage-y. But that is so wild to me because I already saw you as like the evolved person when I started following you. So when you said 2020, I was like, what? <laughs> Bitch, that's so like, wow. I can't even imagine you as that person because of how I see you today. So that is so cool and such a testament because I do think even... Like even I think about this, which I know like for me, my financial journey in the scheme of things has happened like very quickly, but still like, you know, me talking about like the college days, like I graduated college in 2017, like that is like a minute ago. And like, just for people who are like, but I'm stuck right now and it's different and like whatever else to hear that and be like, wait, you did that in the last you know, three, four years, like that is so freaking cool and powerful. I just like, ha when you said that, I was like, what? 2020? It's so <laughs> crazy how recent it was. 
Yes, like that is so wild. So can you talk about on that journey of, and we actually talked a little bit about this on our last podcast episode, but can you talk a little bit about how you viewed yourself at that time and how that changed? Like as you were adding these different habits and, and, and changing these things or whatever else, can you talk about, did you ever have a moment where you were like, wait, this is working or was it just like you kind of turned around and you're like, wait, I've actually like made progress. Or when did you start to finally see yourself as and claim that like, no, I am the savage. I have become her. And of course, there's like all ever constant evolution, right? We're always like working toward the the next like version of ourselves and everything. But when was that initial? Because I feel like in a lot of journeys, the beginning is the hardest, right? Like getting started is the hardest. So what in that beginning, what did the mindset behind that look like? And when did you finally realize like, wait, I am her? So starting really is the hardest part. Getting yourself to just take one baby step is the hardest thing that you will do in your entire journey, but it is so beautiful, so worth it. Now, you said something earlier where it was like, did you ever have a moment that was like, oh my God, this kind of works. There's like one distinct moment. So I started working on my habits in that summer, July of 2020. And I started with waking up earlier and then going on a daily walk. And then eventually that daily walk turned into um, working out and feeling more comfortable in the gym and waking up early turned into building down and waking up earlier and earlier and earlier. And then it turned into, oh, I've got enough time for a morning routine. Oh, I've got enough time for a nighttime routine. And I felt all of these changes and I noticed all of these changes and I And when I say I felt them, like I felt better. Like I felt like there was like a reason to live. I felt like I could, I could understand how people with happy brains felt. And like, I just felt so far from that. And then it was so rewarding to have these conversations with my siblings. And, but the distinct moment that I knew that it was like, I had actually changed. Like I was trained, I was not going to go back to that. Like it wasn't just this thing that was happening that I was really passionate about. And then all of a sudden it was going to disappear was in December. So I started in July and December, I started working on self-love affirmations, which I think is the most important habit for anyone that wants to start anywhere. I think self-love is the most important habit that you will ever work on. You can literally rewire your brain. You can rewire the way that you think about yourself, who you are. You can handpick and choose the qualities, the values that you want. It is so cool and so powerful and you have so much control and writing out affirmations is the gateway to total control over your life. I truly believe it. But I started doing it a little bit later because it's the most uncomfortable habit in my opinion too, where it's like, okay, I'm going to literally write down on a piece of paper. I love myself like over and over and over and over. And it's like, yeah, you actually should. So I started doing affirmations and it was so uncomfortable that I would pretend like I was talking about my sisters and I would write things like, I am smart. I'm kind. I'm beautiful. And I, as I went on, I got more strategic with the things that I wanted to say to myself. I was telling you earlier in the other podcast, I would say, I have a fat ass, which I still do say a lot of times because that was a goal for me. So it doesn't even need to be an affirmation because it's right? Yes, it, it came to, I'm so, I'm so grateful. I love it. Um, but I would start saying things that I, I felt about my siblings. And then slowly I got to the point where it didn't make me feel like I was literally needing to crawl out of my skin. And I could pr- say, like, pretend like I was saying them about myself. And I would do this every single day. And after, I think it was a couple months, I woke up one day and I just thought like, oh, like I love myself. Like I, I really am smart. Like I'm really pretty. Like I love being around myself. And it was this shift that I know had been working every single day and building upon, but it was like, I had just broken the surface this one day where I like actually felt it. And that was the biggest 
moment, like the most, like I look back on, there's a lot of things that happen, but I always go back to that moment where I woke up and I was just like, oh my God, like I love myself. I love my life. I just told myself this for months and now I believe it. And it's so crazy how that I think was the point where I had fully hit my savage and my sad savage journey. And since then it has only been more beautiful, more, I, every time I experience a challenge or anything that I would have perceived as like bad, even if I dip a little bit lower, like I always think I'm on the scale going up, but it's going to have like dips and it's going to have highs. Anytime that I dip, I just am in this place now where I'm like something horrible happened to me and I'm like, oh my God, like what a beautiful life lesson. Like, oh my God, what am I learning right now? Like, this is crazy. Like I can handle this. Like I can do this. And it's so cool how that choice that I made a couple of years ago, these habits that I built, these intentional daily practices that I decided to start doing, I still do to this day. And if not more, and ones that just benefit me in so many different ways. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And that's so powerful to have that moment where you're like, we, I believe these silly little things that I told myself that I used to like cringe writing that is now true. And I think one of the most powerful things about affirmations is people, especially for people who like are against affirmations is you're, you're likely doing affirmations all the time, no matter what, right? Because yeah. It's, it's just that internal monologue, that internal self-talk. But what people don't understand is a lot of times if you started writing down all the things you say to yourself throughout the day of like, oh my God, that's so stupid. Why did you do that? Ooh, you look in the mirror. Oh, I look like shit. Those are your affirmations. Like those are the things you're literally telling yourself every day. So if you're not going out of your way to choose what those are, a lot of times they're so negative and you start to believe those things. And then that's what spills out of you. Like, I think one of the, one of my absolute favorite things about you is you can literally tell like in your videos or even just like chatting with you today, the things that spill out of you, you know what I mean? It's like when you're around someone and they don't even realize they're doing it, but they're constantly complaining and you can just tell like they're filled to the brim of complaining. So when, when something is bumped, then it's like, that's what comes out of their mouth. Like you can just tell you're so full of this like self-love and truly embodying everything that you're preaching that like when something comes out, like that's what's coming out of your mouth, which is so cool. Even like in your little, in like in the video, like the, the outtakes or whatever, it's like a small clip and you're like, wait, damn. Like even I'm trying to remember exactly what video this was. This was recent and I forget what it was, but you're like walking in the room and you like look in the mirror and you do a little like, like a little just like nod where you can tell you're just like, uh-huh. Like, okay. And I was like, girl. Yeah. Like you, it wasn't even like part of the video. You were just like walking by a mirror in your video and you can just tell like what's spilling out of you is all of these things that you're preaching, which is so freaking cool. And I think that's why your videos are such good content because you're, you're literally getting to be around someone who is practicing what they preach in a way where it gets like rub off on you. So kudos. Love it. Love I, it. Wait, I love that point because that tied into what you were saying earlier about how if you don't choose to do affirmations, your affirmations are done for you. And it's crazy because you pick up things from the people around you. So say someone in your life is at a bad place and is having body image issues or struggling with something in their life. And all they say over and over and over again is like, oh, I can't eat this. Like, oh, this, this. And you, maybe it's your coworker who you have no control being around, but you subconsciously pick up on those things. So the next time that you look in the mirror, you're then taking on their insecurities unless you're intentional with yours. And so like, if you tell yourself every single day, 
like I'm beautiful, you'll start noticing like, oh, when I look in the mirror, I always judge my body. Like, why do I do that? And you start becoming aware of those negative habit loops that you have created. Even if it's like at work or like um, if it comes to your abilities, like I used to say to myself all the time, I'm so stupid. Anytime that I'd, I'd do something public speaking or presenting and I'm like, what? I'm actually really smart. Like, why would I say that? And it's crazy because you're not even aware of the things that you tell yourself that then you start to believe that then you let to like seep into your actions. So the affirmations, I truly believe I got to pick who I showed up as and who I get to be. One of my favorite things, which it's, it's kind of like a back and forth story, but my little sister, we were on vacation and she like, my mom was telling her like, oh, take your t-shirt off, take your t-shirt off, like all these things. And she explodes at her and she's like, this entire trip, you've been talking about your body. Like the only person here who didn't say anything about their body is Shelby. So you got to talk to me about it. And it's like, oh, okay. Like she was kind of talking shit to my mom because my mom was complaining and she didn't want to, but she called me out on that. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh my God, you noticed? Like, that's so cool. But and that was a couple of years ago. But right when I started changing how I felt about my body and I remember being like the proudest I've ever felt in my life because my little sister it wasn't just me who was doing it for myself. Like, like, oh, I look good in this bathing suit. Oh, I love my body. Like it was my little sister picking up and seeing like, oh, that's how she's talking about herself. And it was so, it was just crazy because I didn't know that that was happening. And I think that's really interesting too, that if you're choosing the people around you are impacted positively, but then also kind of a deeper conversation of who you surround yourself with really does impact you, but you can get ahead of it and you can choose your thoughts without having to subconsciously take on other people's. Okay, we are, like, our wavelength is insane because my next question that I was going to pivot into is what advice do you have for someone who's working so hard to get them themselves, like, out of this place of, like, self-deprecating talk and, like, all of this, but feels like the people around them are constantly, like, talking shit about themselves or, you know, maybe it's something like you're talking about where you're, you're by someone who they're talking shit about their body. And you're thinking like, wait, I'm bigger than you. And you're talking shit about your body, you know? And it's like, or, you know, just something where it's like, you're, you obviously can't control other people. And, but what are your, and I, I know you kind of said that of like the self armor, right. Of like, no, this is what I believe. But do you have any tips for, either like what you would say in those scenarios when you're chilling with the girls and you're all getting ready together and somebody is just dogging on themselves. Um, how do you protect yourself in that situation? Do you say something to them in that situation? Like what, what are, what are your pieces of advice? For that? I have a few thoughts on that. And that, that example you gave of someone talking badly about their body and then you in turn being like, well, I'm like larger than you are. Uh, my body looks different than yours. How are you saying that about your body? That's something that people come to me and ask about all the time. Or another example is say someone who still lives with parents, whose parent mother is always saying something to them about their body. And so the first thing that I would say is separating yourself from everyone else is the first step because every single person has a different upbringing, a different experience, um, a different environment, different things that have shaped their perspective of what they want for their life and also different levels of, not different levels of enlightenment, but they have different, everyone has a different level of where we're at, I guess, in terms of our own thoughts and, and control over who okay. we want to be. So when it yeah. comes to like, say, a friend who's saying things about that, the first thing I would do is separate them from me and say like, I don't know 
what environment they were raised in, like if their parent always said things to them about them eating, or if they were raised to believe this, or if they had a boyfriend who shamed them for how their body looked naked and they have an insecurity that they're dealing with. So that first separation of like, oh, that is their thoughts that aren't being projected onto me. It has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with my body. That's the first thing that I like to do. And also just remind myself that like from the outside looking in, they're struggling. If they're saying things like that, they really are struggling with self-love. And that's something that I know that I can help with, but not something that I can take on for myself. So I'll always offer something like say a friend is being in, um, saying something that aligns with like insecurities. I will go over and say like, I think that you're really beautiful. Like I think this is a really great color on you and I'll give them those compliments. But then there is a spot where you kind of need to step back if they're pushing and being like, oh no, I'm not. Or like, oh, you wouldn't understand it. Those things. At that point, I always remind myself like that's something that they're struggling with and that's all. And it doesn't have anything to do with me and I can't take their words personal. So like if a mother was saying something to me like, oh, you really need to start worrying or watching your weight if you want to get married. I would say that must be something that her mom said to her or what someone said to her and made her feel insecure about. And now she's projecting that onto me and and she doesn't even realize she's doing it. And so talking it out with myself and just separating someone's actions from who I am and my choices, that is, I think, my biggest piece of advice, just separating yourself from that person, their actions, their world, their experiences. Okay. I love that. Now on the flip side, let's say if you have, you're in a situation where you're either with a, you know, you're with a group of girls again, or maybe you're just on social media and you are just seeing someone that you are jealous of, you're envious of. Um, You had a podcast back in August called How I Became the Person I Was Envying. And here in Deeper Than Moneyland, we talk a lot about using jealousy, using envy as a powerful force for good. But can you talk more about that idea of becoming that person that you're jealous of or envious of and how you, when you notice like feelings of jealousy in your body, what that means to you and what you then use or or do about it? When in the past, I would like cry myself to sleep over how jealous I was of other girls or their lives or living in all these these crazy places or doing all these things. And I would just compare myself day in and day night, day in and day out. And what I realized is that I could use, not necessarily that jealousy, I could turn that to envy and be like, I'm not jealous, I'm envious. Like I really like this about that girl or I really like this quality or I really like how she appears and turn it into compliments and then kind of turn it around and say, if that's something that I really admire in someone else, how can I start working towards taking on that quality or taking on that action? And I feel like when you take it as inspiration and, and you're inspired by someone and you like to watch them and you like to see how they live their life, it changes your perspective completely because it's not, oh, she has this and I can't ever have that. It's, oh, she has that and I know that I can work to where she's at. Like, I want to get there. She did it. Must be possible. I can do it. And so even in my day-to-day life right now, if there's ever anyone that I feel very envious of, I get really realistic and I like write it. I'm like, what is it that I'm envious of? What is it that she has or that she's doing or or is it that she launched this thing and I know the work behind it takes long hours and it, and I'm just jealous that I haven't put the time towards it and she did. And I really start talking it out and understanding that someone else's wins are not my losses. They're actually a blueprint and, and they're there. It helps me get to that same place that I want to get at. The only thing I've struggled with recently is I'm so envious of my sister who has a baby and I'm like, ah. Oh. I just wish I could be there. I I really am envious. But what I do with that is I re-remind myself that I'm so grateful. Whatever this time frame is that I'm not pregnant or not with a child, I have gotten to come out with my habit tracker, which has been so much fun. I've gotten to design and make a self-love affirmation journal that will be out 
soon. And then I've made self-love affirmation cards and all those things I did because I don't have a child. And and so I remind myself of these things that I'm working on and that things that aren't necessarily obtainable right now that I'm envious in others, I can appreciate where I'm at and know that that's a goal and that I'm setting myself up for success now. Oh my gosh. And it's so much clarity. Like it's so much clarity. Like you are so effing clear on what you want of especially like what your next, you know, year or two years or whatever is going to look like. And I also get that because my two nieces, every time I'm around them, I'm like, I need a baby now. Oh my gosh. They're so precious. Even when they're being like, my sister will send me videos of, you know, a tantrum or something. And she's like, you know, what about now? And I'm like, yes, still now. So I'm literally like, oh, but I love that. Like you're using that as a powerful force of clarity of like, this is what I want. And what do I want to do to go and get it? And I think, again, it's so powerful because our whole lives we've been taught, especially as women, jealousy is bad. Like that's a bad look. Like that's embarrassing. You don't ever want to admit you're jealous of somebody. And it's like, no, it's your body's way of communicating. Like, hey, I want something. And so I just, oh my gosh, I love that so much. And I also love even the, wow, I want a baby of, because again, like same, there's times I've left my sisters and I've just been like sad, you know, I'm like, oh, this, you know, I'm not at the place in um, my life where she is, where she has two kids and, you know, she'll probably have like 10 more. And, um, but like, these are the things that I do have. And I'm so excited about that. So, and it's something to look forward to. It's so much clarity. It's so much excitement. So I, oh my gosh, I love that so much. Okay. Switching gears a little bit, but, um, so obviously you talk about and share all the fun things you do just following you. I feel like I know so many of these different things, but one of the things we talk about at Deeper the Money is spending in alignment. And, you know, we talk all the time how alignment is different for every single person. And so spending is different. Like people will be like, Chloe, should I spend money on this or this? And I'm like, I can't be the one to tell you that because how I spend is different than how somebody else would spend. Um, but to get a little insight into your life, can you tell us a little bit about what spending in alignment looks like for you? What are some things you love spending money on? What are some things that maybe you used to spend money on, but you're like, eh, it's not really a priority. So I don't spend money on anymore. Basically the things that are like come out of your bank account and you're like, yay. And then the things that come out and you're like, oh, I actually don't know if I want to be spending my money on or any like money regrets purchases that you're like, oh, I don't know. So I, when it comes to anything fitness related, whether it is like a new class and I'm doing a gym membership, um, a new workout outfit that I know that I will love and wear fitness equipment, all of that and equipment, I mean like not like $10,000 worth of like equipment. I mean like Amazon wrist straps for $12, like things like that. I have no bound. Well, I have a boundary, but those are things that I love to spend money on because I love any type of physical activity. It makes me feel good. It makes me happy. I use that as my social hour. So when I'm going to a class, like I love feeling pretty. I love having a cute outfit on. And I know that 
I'm at a point now, you kind of talked about this a little bit when you were on my podcast, but I know what clothes I'm actually going to wear. And I know what clothes just look pretty online that aren't necessarily my color or like I really hate wearing leggings. I typically will always wear shorts. So it's like, okay, do I need to buy leggings or should I just get this in the short version? Or do I have another, do I have this color already in the short version? I'm pretty good about going through and buying cute outfits for workouts that I know that I'll wear. And in that area, I feel like that's where I'm really good with and fine with spending money. I love spending my money on that. And I love spending my money on my nephew. That's another huge one. There's like, no, the limit doesn't exist. I'm like, oh, really? Okay, I guess. But then when it comes to things that I do feel like I get a little bit annoyed of or regret or I am not the biggest drinker. I really am only, I call it a situational drinker where say I am at someone's bachelorette trip. I'm away from my house. I'm obviously not gonna be able to work there. I like drinking and like enjoying myself there, but say it's like a weekend, I'm not going to be drinking. But this year I had, I had 15 weddings. I think me and my boyfriend went to 12. I had five bachelorette trips. So over 2023 was like probably the most I drank in like four years because I was in all these places doing all these things. And I think that my, where my regret comes is say I went to a wedding, then we went to the bar after and I'm a little lit. And all of a sudden I'm just buying shots. I'm buying drinks for, and for who like random, I'm just like passing. I'm like, what, why did I do that? Oh, literally what? I feel like that's the only area where I'm like, that's unnecessary. But I also feel like the control I have over that is that I don't typically, I'm never really going to be in that situation. This year, I'm only invited to one wedding, thankfully. Like that was like the weirdest year of my life with events and, and things going on. But I think that's the only area that I'm like, okay, it's fine to buy your friend a drink, but do you have to buy your friend's 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 boyfriend a drink at the bar? That's really my only issue. And I think it's because when I get a little bit of alcohol in me, I'm so chatty. I could literally talk, like my boyfriend, if my boyfriend told me I was talking to a wall, I wouldn't like, I'd be like, what? Like, oh, I had no idea. And then I just continue talking. So I think that's my only, my only real area that I think I struggle with. Okay. I I love that so much. I'm so similar when it comes to going out. I am like, I'm all about the community. I'm like, everybody get on here. You with the hat, come on over, buddy. I can find 10 more people. Sure. Come on. I know for sure. We can get a group. We can get a group. No problem. Um, Okay. I love that. And I think that's so introspective to look and be like, okay, those are areas where, um, you know, maybe the next day I'm like, ooh, that's a crazy charge at the end of the night. Maybe I don't want to do that going forward. Okay, cool. I love it. Also, so wild to go from that many weddings to one. I know. What? Like, I feel like people have like years of blocks and then it like slows down. That's wild. Everyone was ready to get married last year. I know. My boyfriend, so I'm 26 and my boyfriend's literally about to turn 30. And it was crazy because the breakdown was like probably like half were his and then another chunk were both of ours, like mutual friends that were getting married. And then like I had a few where I'm like, how did we have all the people in our life get married that year? And it was like people that like the people in my life, I went to five bachelorettes, but I was in three weddings. Like, I'm like, how are the closest people in my life getting married this, like people that I love so much getting married this year? Like, that is insane. Like my absolute best friend, my little sister, who's also my best friend. And then one of my best, my like other best friend, like, I'm like, what? Then I'm on all these weddings. So that was crazy. The actual expenses of the bachelorettes were wackadoodle crazy because I had them all fall within that same calendar year, which I thought was really wild yeah you must have had to have a whole like planned expenses for planning for other people's stuff you're gonna be ready to go when it's your turn 
to oh. be like, everybody step it up. Let's go, baby. Oh. Let's <laughs> What's go. even crazier is after all these bachelorettes, I'm like, you know what? So I am in Michigan. And in Michigan, you technically, like, everyone has an up north. Or, like, you go up north and you go to a lake house. And I'm like, okay, no, that's my perfect bachelorette. Let's drive an hour, go to a lake house, stay there for the weekend. After I've gone on all these bachelorettes, I'm like, I feel like I've, I've done it all. I just want to, like, do that, I feel like. So that was a good – it was definitely a good learning year. That's amazing. And you get to, like, pick and choose of things that you want or things that you don't want. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Okay. So speaking of spending money, what is something this year for 2024 that is a big money goal of yours or something that you're focusing on? So I, after our call, actually, I was like sitting, I was literally peeing and I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna be a millionaire this year. After I was talking to you, I'm like, that is a great goal. And I think that it makes it so gamified and so much fun that it's like, I'm working towards this big thing. I think that that will be really exciting. In the past, right. I've always had a goal right. of like, oh, what? You heard it here first. Yeah, millionaire this year. I know. I can't wait. I got to text you whenever it happens. I got to like, after we get off this call, I got to make a whole plan. I'm excited. But in the past, I've never made goals like that. I've always made like, um, oh, I want to buy a couch. And it's like, like working towards putting that money away to save or save enough money for a couch or, oh, I want to, um, buy this or that or that, where I feel like this is a really fun goal because while it doesn't have that tangible item at the end of it, it's more, I'm going after that like feeling. I really like doing things lately that, show me that I'm able to do what I say. Like for example, for the last year, I've been taking a cold shower where for th- at the end of my shower for like three minutes, I'll sing a song. Sometimes it's a little less than three minutes because I'll forget the words and I'll just be like, okay, I'm done. And then I'll just get out, but I'll, I'll do a cold shower. And so the other day I've been saying for so long, I'm like, oh, I want a cold plunge. I really want one. And I was working out with my little sister and her best friend. And her best friend's like, oh, I just bought one, like a little tub from like a tractor store. I'm like, what? So I go to the tractor store, I buy it. And then I've been doing it for seven days straight, even though we have had the coldest weather of all time over the last six days. I'm like, oh, really? Like we just happened to get winter this week. That's great. Thanks. Um, But I like giving myself challenges where I get to establish more I get to be mentally tough. I get to have that discipline. I really like, because I feel like I, I've established through my habits a great relationship with discipline that I always like to test it a little bit more. Like I'm like, sure, I'll go in negative four degree weather into a tub of water in my backyard while my neighbor's watching. Like, why not? And I feel like that is fun for me, but I feel like this will be a really fun goal that I get to continuously work towards. So I think that will be it. And I want to get a trip. <laughs> like, the fun thing is, one... It's so fun to be able, I know you said like with your habit uh, tracker and also, I don't know if we said this earlier, but Shelby will link her um, habit tracker in the uh, show notes. It's literally on Amazon. You can get it so fast to your door. If you're listening to this episode and you're like, wait, I am in, you need the habit tracker, go and order it. It also Um, teaches um, the habit loop in depth in the habit tracker, habit stacking, um, keystone habits, the concept of getting 1% better gives lists of so many habits in so many different areas that you can use. I think there's like 60 plus habits listed out. And then it teaches about scheduling for your habits and creating rewards. It's, it's oh, really, really fun. I got to send you one. It's really good. I'm going to send some out this week. I'll have you text me your address. Order 
one. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I love filling things in. I love filling things in. And that's what I was going to say with the, um, like with your net worth, like that's one of the most fun things is whether it's a spreadsheet or like something that you're drawing in, whatever else, like setting those milestones, because I love to gamify things, right? Like I want that cute or the, the reward. Like I'm always like, you know, same thing where it's like, oh, that goal is, you know, so far away. So it's just starting it is so tough. It's like, I will make it smaller. I will be like, okay, what's the next milestone? Then the next milestone, then the next milestone. And that's what I track. And that's what I fill out to make it feel fun and like it's happening fast. Because again, like, like you said, saving up for a couch, that might be something that takes a couple weeks or a couple months, but it's something that feels close. And then you get the physical thing. Whereas like a goal, like, you know, growing your net worth to something can feel farther away, but by making it smaller and then filling it in, you're like, yes. Okay. This is amazing. Um, I, if you haven't seen Shelby's current series, if you're listening to this in real time on her ice bath, you have to go watch them. They're so entertaining. I love them so much. Like every morning I'm like, do deep. I like go for my like morning video of <laughs> your outdoor ice bath. I love it. And it was also a budget hack. Oh, like getting those because I've seen those tubs. I'm like, damn, that's an investment. I remember so, like the cheapest one that I found was like fifteen hundred dollars. I'm like, what? I'm like, what if I don't even like it? So I like, literally that that little horse trough, whatever it is, where you put water for horses. I think I actually don't even know what it was used for. I literally went to a tractor store. I didn't even know they had those, but I looked up tractor store and it came up and I bought that. It was like hundred and forty two dollars for that a hammer because I knew it was gonna be icy and I bought two pairs of protective goggles. I don't know. I was like, am I going to break one? I don't know. I just thought the eyes, I need to invest in the eye safety. So I got two pairs, which I'm actually happy about because I like froze. I wore the glasses for so long hacking ice today that I froze a line into my forehead and it hasn't gone away all. I'm like this line. I'm like, okay. I just gave myself wrinkles. I was so mad. I was like looking in the mirror like hours. I'm like, there's no way. Which <laughs> I'm glad I got two pairs of the goggles because one is just like glasses. And the other ones, those science goggles from school. Oh, you're like, need the glasses now. Yeah, I'm, I'm switching. I'm switching. No, literally, the Midwest budget hack is every day is a free ice bath outside. All you need is the tub. Like, it's That's amazing. It. Um, but no, your series is so freaking good. And then the next series we need is um, becoming a millionaire. And yeah, I love that. That would be so, I think that'd be really entertaining. Just because I, very similar to, I did, was not ever in debt at any point. My parents actually wouldn't let me get a credit card, so that helped. So I never had that opportunity, but from student loans, I didn't have any. But my first job, I made $30,000. My second job, I made $50,000. My biggest jump was $70,000, and then I've been able to create my own business and really create different financial stability for myself, where I think that would be really fun to document, just because you really can go from not being able to afford anything and living in your parents' basement to having a house. In this next year, I'm wanting to buy my second house. And just invest in property. And I know you have your house too in Nashville, right? Ah, yeah. I have my the house I live in in Kansas City. And then I have a lake house um, in Lake of the Ozarks. And then in also in Missouri. And then I have a Airbnb condo in Nashville. Um, and so all three home buying experiences were so different. And I learned so much in each one of them. But yeah, owning properties. And it's so cool because not only is it such a, you know, obviously like financial investment, but like the, the condo in Nashville obviously is like it's on Airbnb full time. I also love going to Nashville. So being able to have that 
to anytime I want to go or it's happened randomly. Um, my dad was driving down to Florida and he called me and he's like, Hey, it's bad weather. I'm actually going to stop in Nashville. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, let me see if my Airbnb is open. Like you could stay there, you know, just like I've had friends going through and I'm like, wait. So there's just so many things where it's not only just like, uh, it, it's so fun to have as an investment, but also you can do it in a way that totally elevates your personal life and creates so many opportunities, not just for you, but like for people around you too, which I absolutely love. Um, so that's so exciting. And you're definitely going to have like a wedding to pay for at sometime soon. A house. Well, hopefully sooner rather than later. You have all the things on the horizon. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Okay. Is there anything else you want to leave, leave people with of really just believing in themselves that they are capable of following through again, the, the habit and the changes and like all of that that you're teaching is so important, but they still have to start those things. And I think so often the belief is so rooted in like, I'm just stuck. I just suck. This is just how it is. There's no, like, I can't get a different job. I can't do this. I can't move out of my parents. Like whatever those things were that were going through your head in 2020, telling you like, no, this won't work. What would you tell that person that's listening to this podcast? And it's like, this is so cool. And like, so cool. She did that. But I just don't know if I can personally change from sad into savage like what is like your love letter voice note that if your best friend was listening to this and was like oh I just I don't know like I don't know if I believe in it like what would you tell her I would tell her that there's a lot of noise there's a lot of noise in diet culture and people saying you've got to do this 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 and this and there's a lot of people telling you that you need to change your life in order to be happy you've got to just do it all and do it all overnight and my biggest piece of advice is to start and start so much smaller than you think because you cannot go zero to 100. There's not one person in this world that could all of a sudden 360 change their life overnight. It's not realistic. It's not sustainable. It's not healthy. And it's not it's not even fun. The fun part's in the journey. But what I would say is to start, pick one thing that you want to change about your life and take one small step to work towards it. You want to do something that is realistic, that can be sustainable. You want to give yourself the opportunity to feel good, to feel the effects of that choice, of that change. And you're not going to be able to do that if you do it really quick, overwhelm yourself, and then give up. You can handpick any quality that you want to possess. You can handpick any value. You can create whatever life you want, the life of your dreams. But this, the main thing that you have to do is you have to choose it. It's all on you. No one's going to come and do it, which is scary, but it's also really beautiful because you have full control over who you are, who you show up as, who you decide to be, and the habits that you choose to create. So I would say starting with one small thing, creating a habit loop for it and deciding to see it through. Just trust the science, trust the fact that not just my 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 story, me saying like it will happen for you, but the fact that there's a man out there that studied this, that understood the habit loop, that understood the way that your brain works and how to create real change. And he said this, and now this random girl from Michigan changed her entire life and is telling you the same thing. But if you follow the habit loop, if you deliberately do it and show up for yourself and make it so that you can, so that it's realistic, so that it's something small that you can do, you will change your entire life and just create change after change after change and build upon it. But you just have to start. So before you end this episode, write one thing that you want to start doing and work out a habit loop, a cue, routine, reward. How are you going to start doing that and start doing it tomorrow? Oh my gosh. That gave me chills. That gave me chills. And I am ordering the habit tracker and I'm going to um, start it because I 
love that. I love the science behind it. I love how you describe it. I love how you use real life examples. And again, also that's your to do. If you're listening to this episode, your second to do, if you don't already is to go follow Shelby, because she literally shows you every single day, how this shows up in her life every single day, how she's implementing, how she's implementing, how she's implementing it. And seeing that it, it kind of feels like when you're about to, I don't know, I don't know why I keep using Lent. I don't even do Lent, but like if you're about to go through Lent and you're like, Hey, will you give up the same thing as me with your friend? Like, Hey, do it with me. And then it's easier. Right. Or like you're trying to train for a 5k and you get your friends to do it with you. So you can't, or, or like you're going to go to a group fitness class in the morning and you ask me to go with you. So you're like, Oh, I won't bail if I know I'm meeting somebody. Right. Like Shelby is the person where you log on Instagram and you're like, okay, she's doing it. She's showing up. I want to do it too. So make sure that you go and follow her. And thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Deeper the Money podcast. Shelby, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I love you. I admire you. I've loved talking with you and I cannot wait to listen to this episode back. 